A uterine fibroid is a benign tumor that grows within or near the uterus. It's quite prevalent. Up to 80% of women will have a diagnosis of uterine fibroids throughout their lifetime. Most fibroids are detected on clinical examination, so fortunately for most women, they are asymptomatic. But fibroids can cause lots of issues, most common being bleeding. It's the most common reason for a problem office visit to the gynecologist or provider. Fibroids can differ in size, ranging from the size of a pea or apple seed to watermelons. It's unusual to be able to determine the degree of symptomatology based on the size because the pea-sized fibroid, if it's located in a strategic position, will cause excessive bleeding versus the larger watermelon-sized fibroid, which may have a patient present with no symptoms at all. Exercise, we believe women that are more sedentary tend to have more fibroids. Diet, women who consume a diet that's higher in animal products, dairy products, tend to have more fibroids. The biggest risk factor is being of reproductive age. Fibroids tend to affect women prior to the menopause because in the menopause, they tend to stop growing. So symptoms of fibroids could include things such as bleeding, pressure symptoms such as the fibroid pressing on the urinary bladder, so women tend to have to urinate frequently. There can be some issues with fertility depending on where the fibroids are located that could cause women to have difficulty conceiving or cause problems during pregnancy. To hear that there's a chance that you might lose your uterus is unnerving to say the least. <laughs> The first indication that I had fibroids was fatigue. I got to a point where I was always tired and I found myself always sleeping and not feeling rested. And so while I had other symptoms before then, that was the main indicator to me that something was wrong. You need to figure out what it is. What led me to the doctor was the ER, but I'll go back. About eight months before I ended up in the ER and then with my new doctor, I was having super heavy cycles. I couldn't even function when my cycle was on. I've always had very heavy and sometimes painful periods, but I could normally take like an ibuprofen and be cool. I've always been anemic and I just attributed that to genetics and my environment. And it wasn't until late 20s when I felt like my anemia was impacting my quality of life. I found out later that I was like very anemic to a point where um, as it started to get worse and started to progress, I was always cold and could never ever get warm. I go to the doctor and I'm like, hey, you know, it's time for my pap smear. But I have these questions because my body is doing things that are even abnormal for me. And I'm a person with a heavier cycle. And so I told him what was going on. He was like, oh, okay, no problem. I'm just gonna give you some birth control. You should be good. I've heard people that take birth control that feel better in a couple of months. So I was like, okay, so that's gonna be my story. My period uh, started to get very heavy. It's definitely a big indicator. I think for a woman, anytime your menstrual cycle changes. First, I tried to manage the symptoms in terms of my anemia. Then I realized that I was losing weight. I'm a small person to begin with, and when I got down to 105 pounds, you know, I wondered if it was stress, but then I said, wait a second, what's happening? So I went to my OB-GYN again, and I realized that I'd lost so much blood because of 
my heavy periods. And then he ordered a, immediately a blood transfusion. So I was a bit nervous about a blood transfusion. So I said, well, what are my options? And then he recommended iron infusions and that was a way to build my iron up. When I can think back to maybe there was the first change in, in my cycle was about two years before um, I actually had my surgery to have them removed. But again, at that time, I didn't recognize any. That was probably, when I think back, the very first, um, could have been the earliest symptom. The one thing about fibroids is that they don't know how fast they grow. They progress differently in every single person. Every cycle, I'm still having the same exact period. Not only is it the same for a few months, it starts to get worse. The bleeding's heavier, the periods are lasting longer, the pain is worse. And I'm like, okay, well maybe it's just the wrong birth control but honestly I didn't even feel like going back to the doctor so I just kind of ran with it until I landed in the ER. Over the course of a year I did every other week iron infusions and we checked it after a while and it was still low. He said you may want to consider options to getting your fibroids removed and I was really nervous because I didn't want to go do any kind of invasive surgery so there was a procedure that I opted for initially, which was MyoSure. It was an outpatient experience, so no downtime, was able to go back to work in like two days. My doctor, um, as soon as she went to examine me, she was able to feel the fibroids, um, and she were, was able to feel that they were pretty sizable. We initially didn't want to have surgery. Doctors try to avoid that if they don't need to, but my symptoms progressed so much that not only did I end up having to have surgery, we moved it up. The day before I went to the ER, I was taking a shower, and the next thing I know, I'm I'm like blacking out. The next day I got up and went into work and I was still in all this pain, but I'm like, I mean, I've been doing this since I've had a period. I'm not gonna not go to work because of my period. So I'm sitting at my desk and next thing I know, like I get this like pain was so severe. I go to the bathroom and as a person with a heavy cycle, to say that I was completely freaked out when I went to the restroom, I was like, OMG, like, am I hemorrhaging? I call the advice nurse and I'm telling her what my symptoms are. And she's like, you need to go to the ER. You can't even wait for a next day appointment. Like, we, you, you need to go. And I was like, okay, cool. So let's see how this cycle, you know, what my next cycle will, will tell me. And after that, it just got worse to the point where I was feeling a maxi pad, like an overnight pad in an hour. I was extremely insecure about just being anywhere public during that time. I just did this procedure, why is it even worse than it was before? And so that was the point where I decided with you know consultation from the doctor and my family that I needed to get a myomectomy. When she confirmed I had them, I mean, that was a relief in a way to know that that's what was wrong. What did kind of hit me and what got me the most nervous and scared about them was when we talked about having surgery. And anytime they tell you you have to have surgery, there are risks associated with it. They're going to do surgery to remove some things inside and outside your uterus. Uh, there's always a risk that you could lose it. I cried about it, I thought about it, I overthought it. I realized I still had to do it in order to at least attempt to keep, you know, a healthy uterus. So hopefully be able to have children later. I go to the ER and I'm signing in and they're asking me what my symptoms are. And again, I'm still feeling like a complete idiot because I'm like, here I am telling these nurses that I'm coming to the ER for my period. I almost felt like I was being judged. I probably wasn't. It was probably all in my head, but I felt like it. And the doctor comes in and they take my blood count and he's like, you've lost almost enough blood to warrant a blood transfusion. I had to build up my iron to get the myomectomy. So a series of months, again, 
doing the iron infusions. December 15th of 2011 was when I had my myomectomy surgery. Come to find out, the doctor that I went to see about the symptoms eight months earlier that gave me the birth control, he didn't tell me I was anemic. So I'm severely anemic at that point, and then this happens, and of course, that takes my blood levels all the way down. Fast forward, had my myomectomy, great, got married, and of course, we wanna start a family, and the first thing I did when I went to my doctor was check to see if I had fibroids, and lo and behold, they came back. I think having all of the symptoms before, I was able to recognize certain things that were happening to my body that made me feel like they were back. I only found out this past June for sure that they were. It's pretty common. I believe it's at least there's a 50% chance that they can recur. We have not discussed any non-surgical options. It really comes down to like which type of surgery I'll need. And to be honest, even if she were able to put me on a different birth control or you know do something like that, honestly, I want this fibroid out. To say, that the last year and a half has been awful, like that's an understatement. A few years ago, I'd gone through a procedure and in less than like three years, they came back. I was really nervous when we were thinking about conceiving what would happen. And fortunately for us, we were able to conceive and the fibroids and the fetus coexisted. Fibroids themselves are fairly common. Most people just don't know that they have them. A lot of people go through life with them and just don't really have symptoms at all. Um, the, and that's why they don't know a lot about it. It's not until people have symptoms till they come in and we find out that something is wrong with them. In all my research that I've done on fibroids, I found out that it affects African-American women more prominently than any other race. And as I think about my friends, I can count probably over a dozen of my friends who've either had a myomectomy, fibroids, or something of that nature. And it's a bit disheartening because you just think about something that's prevalent. It's just like you have the myomectomy, you have these other procedures, but they grow back. So it's like, why are they growing back? We do so much. You know, we have to come to work and succeed. We have to be fly outside of work. We have babies, we take care of homes. But the thing that we don't always do is take care of ourselves. Put your health first. Hi, today I'd like to talk to everybody more about a controversial topic, which is about hysterectomy. Hysterectomy is the surgical procedure of removal of the uterus. Now, in Atai Hospital, we believe that hysterectomy should only be done under conditions if the underlying cause is malignant and is potentially life-threatening to the patient. Otherwise, we do not recommend uh, hysterectomy. But in today's world, especially in the uh, statistics, we can look at uh, the United States Hysterectomy is the second most commonly uh, uh, recommended and practiced procedure in uh, OBGYN. So it is very blatantly um, recommended to patients. And today I'd like to talk to you about the dangers and side effects of hysterectomy. So I'd like to repeat again, unless it is malignant or life-threatening to the patient, we do not recommend hysterectomy. Hysterectomy is not required. So the first uh, side effect and potential danger of a hysterectomy is the uh, uterus acts as a anchor and a support base for the pelvic organ and the pelvis itself. So when you remove the the supporting base, for the, which is like the base of a building, the pelvic organs and especially the pelvis will start sagging downwards. So you will feel immense pressure in your pelvis because the uh, uterus 
acts as a base with several ligaments that is connecting towards all the pelvic organs and also the, uh, the structures of the pelvic bone. So it is, it is a support base that will hold up the organs. So now that you remove all these ligaments, there are up to 8 to 10 of ligaments that are, are very important for the structural integrity of the pelvic organs. Now that it is removed, the organs will start uh, sagging and then you, you experience bulging in your pelvis and immense pressure. Secondly, is the women who remove their uterus will no longer uh, menstruate, which means you are having an absolute infertility. Uh, you no longer have the ability to bear children. But of course, this is a very optional and subjective side effect. Some people do not have wish to have children anymore. So this may not apply to everybody, but this is a fact. Thirdly, due to the absence of the uterus, the, there are several organs around in the uh, uterine uh, pelvic region that will be affected. For example, you will experience urinary incontinence or trouble of urina uh, urinating because when the uterus is removed, the bladder which is uh, directly in front of the uterus has nothing to support it anymore. So it will shift backwards. Once it shifts backwards, it will give you, uh, potentially you may face a symptom to where you're unable to empty your bladder completely because of the shifting of the uh, position of the bladder and you may have trouble urinating even when you are you have the desire of urinating and then the next uh, side effect is very similarly to this uh, bladder uh, shifting when you remove the uterus not only does the bladder shift there's another component that also shifts which is the large intestine so the large intestine will also shift forward and once it shifts forward, it will cause constipation. So you, uh, even though you have the desire or the urge to go and uh, defecate, but because of the uh, misalignment and the new shifting, because of the absence of the uterus, you will have constipation. Next up, another very distinct side effect of uh, hysterectomy is that you will no longer experience uh, orgasms because uh, it is the contraction mu contraction muscles of the of the uterine walls that is causing the orgasm so you will no longer have a uh, climax and then subsequently because of this this will affect uh, many uh, marriage lives and uh, the will lead to a lot of divorce rates i mean this is also another subjective side effect but this is a potential uh, potential side effect and potential danger of hysterectomy in the perspective of, of society and then the seventh side effect of hysterectomy is that uh, there are several reports and studies that show that after the uterus is removed, uh, women go into chronic depression or chronic uh, mood swings or mood uh, instability because the uterus is also a very core component of the uh, endocrine or hormonal, hormonal uh, system of the body. So when the uterus is no longer there, it will definitely affect the mood of the patient. Uh, because there are several vessels and nerves that are connected towards the, uh, between the organs in the pelvic region and also the uterus, a very important organ here that will be affected is the ovaries. There is a direct uh, blood vessel that supplies blood to the ovaries that is coming from the uterus. So when the uterus is uh, removed, it will also lead to a insufficiency of the ovaries which means the functions of the ovaries will drop and this will lead to an accelerated onset of menopause 
So that means that you will experience menopause faster than uh, patients with uh, people who have a uterus because of how the ovaries are affected. If the ovaries are affected, certain hormones and, and the egg cells are not being produced, certain blood vessels are being affected, this will all trigger early onset menopause. It may come 5 to 10 years earlier. a natural healing program that has been in existence for several years now. It consists of herbal medicine, meditation, yoga courses, group training, one-on-one -on -one consultations. If you're suffering with fibroids or endometriosis, you don't want to have surgery, you don't want the stuff to keep coming back, and you're tired of suffering in silence, we invite you to visit our website at www.naturalhealingprogram.com and become a member today. All these things can be healed at the sale level. Join and learn how to love your body and make the very best of your life experience. That's what we're here for. The best radio station in the world in the world is right here, right now. The Golden Race, conscious radio for the conscious community.